Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Murray Hittery, the composer and creator of Mind Travel. And if you want to learn how to build professional connections, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Murray Hittery. Murray is the creator of Mind Travel, an immersive meditative journey that has spanned cities across the world in the form of silent walks and silent piano concerts. In bringing Mind Travel to a broad audience through his digital offerings, Murray's goal is to create the space for people to have a powerful, journey, which is at once evocative and reflective, healing and transcendent. Murray's experiences are a fusion of contemporary and classical musical styles, wisdom traditions, theoretical physics, and the power of communal elevation. Guys, this is going to be such an interesting conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, really quickly, if you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur, then you know the benefits of having a podcast, but you just don't have the time to go create one, then maybe you should have my team make one for you. Um, uh, head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast, travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. And then we'll jump on a phone call to see if we would be a good fit to build your show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class chart-topping podcasts. Murray, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Travis. Great to be here. Yes, sir. So I, I, my, my audience probably gets tired of hearing me say this, but I, I just always find it so interesting the way that people end up doing what they're doing because I 
always, I always doubt that there's a career counselor in high school that was like, Hey man, you should, uh, you should do, you know, immersive meditative journeys for people. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> this like totally unconventional route that you ended up taking. So I want to take it all the way back to then like 12, yep. 13 year old Murray. What were you up to at that point? What were your interests, likes, dislikes, family life, stuff like that? Right. And, and by the way, I think it's as much of a surprise to those of us who do interesting things that we're doing them. How did I end up doing this? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if you go back to uh, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up with music. Um, it was a part of my life since I was five, six years old. And by the time I got to, you know, high school as a young teen, I knew that I wanted to be a composer. Like that was really clear to me. Uh, music was a language of expression that, um, just really spoke to me. Uh, I was a pretty shy kid and words were, you know, not as forthcoming and I just had a very vast internal world and music really acted as the soundtrack for it. And I knew I wanted to be a composer because I felt like I had my own thing to say with music than uh, just playing, you know, other people's music, other composers' music. And by the time I got to university, I, I formally studied to be a classical composer. So was it your parents that, that, that got you started so early on? They did, yeah. And it was one of those, you know, one of those parenting stories that, um, you know, it's like sometimes when a, a parent didn't have something as a child, sure. they want their kids to have it. So uh, my mom wanted to play music when she was a kid. It just didn't happen mm. in her household growing up. So when she had kids, you know, she had five kids and all of us grew up playing music, uh, at least one, if not two instruments. And so, um, you know, I, I went to lessons, you know, weekly with my, you know, with my older brother. And then when my younger brother came on the scene, you know, like just one by one, we all started to take lessons. So that was a real passion of my mother. And, you know, we also like, uh, like music was a part of our whole culture. We went to, hmm. you know, in, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and we went to, uh, you know, the symphony and to theater and to the opera and to ballet. Like that was a big thing that she pushed for, for all of us growing up. Did you select your instruments or did she select those? Um, that's interesting. I, I didn't actually select it. I was five and uh, my brother played the violin, my older brother. So she didn't want us to play the same thing. And so I got the cello. Uh, that was my first instrument. And okay. then piano was something that, you know, we all kind of played as, a, as another bass instrument. So uh, eventually piano became my main instrument uh, because okay. as a composer, it really is the composer's instrument because you have the whole symphony sure. orchestra right there before you at the keyboard. Sure, sure. So curious to know what your siblings ended up doing. So, um, you know, music's, you know, they, they all really benefited from growing up with music, but they all went in totally different directions yeah, um, over right. time. You know, my older brother, he and I actually were entrepreneurs together in our 20s building tech businesses. And that's what I did right out of college. Um, and see, he, he continues to thrive and do that in the tech world. Uh, he's doing a lot of work now with Google X at a very high level. Um, then my uh, brother, just younger than me, is actually an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. Um, and, wow. lead, and leads the congregation that I grew up in. Um, <laughs> no and, uh, and his wife is, is also a teacher and is the principal of the Jewish school I went to. So that's uh, incredible, full circle. And then my youngest brother, he uh, is in alternative energy, doing solar panels and just incredible work with you know, sustainable energy. Um, and my youngest, uh, the youngest sibling was my sister. She unfortunately died um, at 23 and that was, you know, a defining moment in for, of course, for our family and in my life, you know, for sure. And um, she was a, a dancer 
and she she was actually at NYU studying to be a, a studying dance therapy. She wanted to help people and dance, and so dance therapy was where she was going. She had already at the young age of eighteen had started her own school wow. and was teaching little girls how to dance. And through dance, she was actually teaching them about positive body image, self confidence. Um, something that a lot of little girls don't get enough of. And so she was like a big sister to them and had hundreds and hundreds of students and left a tremendous legacy, you know, behind even at such a young age. Uh, and so she's with me, you know, on, at every concert, she's uh, at the piano with me as I perform. Tell me a little bit about the culture that your parents built in your household, because it sounds like you guys all came out of that house with a good head on your shoulders. And like you said, a myriad of different, you know, industries and um, vocations that you attacked, but all of them doing well. So and I just, I like to ask these kind of questions almost selfishly, to be honest with you, because yeah. I have, I'm, an, I'm a new dad. So my, my oh, son wonderful. is um, almost, almost a year old now. Um, and so now, now I find myself <laughs> constantly asking these kind of selfish parenting questions because I'm, I'm just super curious on, on how they were able to, to have that many kids end up in, yeah. you know, positive directions with their lives. You know, I, I wanted the answer to that same question. Um, and so in my early 30s, I had a, uh, a conversation with my mother and I asked her something very similar. I said, what was your main parenting philosophy? Well, like, what did you think about um, raising your kids? And without hesitation, she knew the answer. She said, it was my goal to give each and every one of you your own sense of confidence to be able to achieve and do whatever it is that you wanted to do. That was what she wow. said. Yeah. And, and then I, then in retrospect, when I look back at my whole childhood and that of, you know, my siblings, it made perfect sense. Hmm. She, you know, it was all about valuing education. It was valuing experiences each in our own way. I mean, my older brother would go to a summer camp. It was a, it was a computer camp in Illinois that he went to for two months while I, which, you know, I didn't show a proclivity to computers. So I was more of into the outdoors and, uh, and sports. And so I went to a, uh, a, a summer camp upstate New York where I was rock climbing and canoeing and camping and learning all kinds of skills. Um, right. Each one of us was doing different things like that. So that was her mission. And I think she, she achieved it and succeeded um, quite well with it. Yeah, definitely. I, I find it interesting too, that, it seems like she she really wanted to foster certain things like everybody had to do these things like every like you said everybody was playing instruments everybody was in music right. do, do do you think that that was do you think that was more because of music specifically or more because of the habits and discipline that you develop practicing those instruments from such a young age this episode of the show is brought to you by indeed we are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed 
survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, I think she always talked about, you know, wanting her kids to be well-rounded, to be exposed to a lot of things. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think she had access to the research and science we have, you know, today to sure. the benefits of music and on the brain and all that. She, you know, she was going more intuitively on that. Um, so it was more about culture, richness, you know, and, and all of that, um, valuing education. And, and, the, and the, uh, the other, uh, you know, overriding value that she imparted was that of family. Um, that really trumped everything. Hmm. So it was about, you know, the whole family eating together every single night um, at the dinner table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was about, you know, Shabbat, you know, in the Jewish tradition, we have something called Shabbat, which is, you know, the day of rest, but Friday night is the meal where the whole family gets together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it wasn't actually just our immediate family, but cousins, aunts, and uncles would get together 30, 40 of us each week on Friday night. Uh, instilling that sense of family connection and, and that bond. Um, and that continues, by the way, till today uh, in the same house in Brooklyn where I grew up, uh, that tradition continues. So there's a sense of that continuity, that stability, um, and that uh, connection that family provides through ritual. To kind of change gears a little bit here, you said earlier that you ended up going to college and then after that you went into some tech entrepreneurship. What, what was your college experience like? What, what did you study? What was your major and how did you enjoy that experience? Did you find it overall useful or you know, what, what would be your advice to somebody going through you know, about to make that decision? So I, I consider myself having gone to college twice. And what I mean by that is um, when I first started at New York University at NYU, I was, you know, of course, right out of high school, I was just looking to get out and experience and, and open my horizons after growing up in such a kind of a, a very a parochial, very enclosed community, you know, Orthodox Jewish community. So going to Manhattan, going to the campus in downtown New York was so opening to me. But then when I started, I just felt like, you know, just another number in a big lecture hall, right? And um, I hated it. Uh, and I, I ended up leaving after a few months, um, packed a bag and a bicycle, and I traveled the world for a year on my own with uh, you know, one-way tickets and, and no sense of when I would ever return. Uh, it was probably one of the best years of my entire life. Wow, yeah, no kidding. Uh, it, it was a true you know, spiritual pilgrimage. 
Um, I lived in Zen monasteries. I lived in remote islands with villagers in the South Pacific. I mean, I traveled 10,000 miles on my bicycle um, alone, just encountering life. And it was overwhelmingly, you know, heart opening, mind opening, and wow. life opening. No kidding. Um, how, how old were you? Sorry to interrupt. I was 18. I was 18. I, was, I just started university. And then uh, literally, I tell you, I remember the moment in my tent, looking out of the tent at the night sky in the middle of Thailand in a rice field, in a rice paddy. I said, you know what? I've really experienced a lot. I think it's time I go back and study like more formally uh, music so that I can I can create what's in my mind. I had such music in my mind that I didn't have the tools to, to put down on paper, you know, to actually express. And so I packed my bag up and I made it back to New York, went back to NYU. They took me back and, um, and then I studied music uh, intensely and got my degree in, in classical composition. Um, so the second part of my, of my uh, college experience was phenomenal because it was so purposeful, intentful. Right. And yeah, right. Uh, it was, it was literally night and day once I went with that kind of determination. Sure. So coming out of college then, uh, having studied, you know, such a, such a unique major comparatively to, you know, what most people would go to a university to study, what was the biggest driver behind jumping into tech entrepreneurship after that? Uh, money (laughs) (laughs) there it is yeah (laughs) no i mean it was you know i um i graduated and i was like how am i gonna make any money with classical music uh at the time people with my kind of degree would go into writing jingles for tv commercials or tv stuff um and by the way the commercials then weren't like what they are now where you can actually maybe write some cool stuff uh, for an apple commercial maybe but it wasn't that right um so I was like, okay, uh, I, 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 I would speak to some of these um, jingle writers and they just never got to writing their symphony, their masterworks. And so I, I viewed it as a real form of like almost torture, right? They were writing music every day, but not what they really want to write. Yeah, right. So I was, I was sharing this frustration with my older brother, the computer guy, right? Remember from computer camp. Mm-hmm. And so he was actually at the time uh, uh, working at the National Institutes of Health uh, down in Bethesda, Maryland, the, the government uh, medical research facility. And so he saw the earliest days of the internet, right? We're talking about early 90s right now. And so he and I started chatting and he said, have you ever heard of the internet? And I'm like, um, it seems like a crazy question now, but yeah, it was right. a very legitimate question back in 1993, 94. And so he and I started chatting and next thing, you know, we were so enamored by the possibility of it. And actually, uh, Travis, at the time, there was no sense that this would be, uh, you know, where the money would be. It was just so cool to be a part of. And right. it triggered, it, it activated my uh, creativity and, though you know, that sense of, of my personality. So yeah, we just sure. jumped in. And, and then within uh, four years from, you know, we started in 94 and 98, uh, November 11th of 98, we took the company public in one of the record-breaking IPOs. Wow. And what was that company? Uh, that company was called Earthweb, which then became Dice, which till today is the largest job board career site for techies. Got it. Got it. Was that the original um, use for the site when you designed it? Absolutely not. Like most companies. <laughs> it wasn't. Pivot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we pivoted before we knew what the word pivot was. Uh, that was just a basketball term. And now, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, it, 
basically we were, you know, we just started out, we were actually the, one of the premier um, uh, web shops back in the mid 90s, building massive websites for the Metropolitan Museum of Art, for the New York Stock Exchange, many others. And then we saw the needs of techies. And so we then created a whole world for tech people, in, which included dice.com. Got it. So what ended up happening with that company? So we, we made it through the, the tech bubble burst. Um, I remember at the time I had to completely restructure the company, sell off yeah. the stuff that was losing money and unleash the profitable parts of our businesses, which was dice.com, the job board. It was highly profitable. Yeah. Um, we took that business from 3 million to 60 million in 18 months. And um, it was just a phenomenal time. And once we got through that, uh, we then sold it to uh, private equity firms, Quadrangle and uh, General Atlantic Partners, two big, you know, mega private equity firms. Um, that was a $200 million sale. And then um, I moved on to other things and uh, they subsequently took the company public again after that sale. Oh, no way. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, public today. So timeline then between what happens after you exit successfully, congrats on that. I mean, huge success very early on in your career. What happens from that point until you start doing the mind travel, which is what you're up to right now? So, you know, I always wanted to get back to my music. I never knew how that was going to happen. And of yeah. course, once you have success in a certain area, you start getting categorized, identified both by others and truly yourself, right, as that thing. And so I was now a successful entrepreneur. So then my brother and I started a second company called Vista Research on the heels of 9-11. Literally months after 9-11, wow. we as New Yorkers started a company for the finance. It was a financial tech company. Okay. And and within three years, we sold that um, it, very successfully to S&P 500, uh -huh. uh, McGraw-Hill. So we had that going. Now, the whole time this is going on, Travis, I kept music as my personal outlet, my personal practice. Yeah. I actually had a piano. I had a grand piano in my office in New York. And oh, at the funny. end of every day, I would just sit. Like, my whole staff knew. Like, they were like, oh, Murray's going to play music. <laughs> and I would... <laughs> I would just go close the door to my room and I would just play at, you know, 6 p.m., 8 p.m., 10 p.m., whatever time it was. And right. that's, that's how I maintained my own balance, de-stress, reduce anxiety before, you know, what we now know as such a big mindfulness movement before that ever really was mainstream. So that's how I just, you know, maintained it, uh, music and developed my, my practice. What I do today is what I was doing for years and years and years. Um, on my own. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power 
of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. Seems like your passion obviously lies in music, and this is a conversation that I find super interesting, Murray. Because you, you, your passion necess- wasn't necessarily you know fintech, right? It wasn't you know building software or whatever. It sure it fueled some of that creativity within you, but obviously this whole time your your passion is really music, and I, I, find, I find this conversation interesting because there's a lot of people that aren't sure what to do, meaning that they yeah. they don't know if they should focus on what they're good at that makes them money or focus on what they're passionate about that doesn't make them as much money. And they're not sure what that's going to look like. And I love the path that you took because you still found a way to integrate some of your personality into something that wasn't necessarily your passion, but you did that so well that you opened up this other door and, uh, and possibilities with what you do now that enables you to live the life that you've always really wanted to live. It sounds like and in a way that you would have never been able to live it if you would have, like you said, gone into writing jingles out of college, right? So how does somebody navigate that space when they're maybe starting out where you started out? What, what would be your advice to them? Absolutely. And there's a really important distinction that's available to all of us right now in, in this moment, in this conversation we're having, because it's not like it's a binary choice, right? Of you know what, I'm just gonna do something that makes money and uh, it's totally divorced and separate from my passion. Let's remember what underlies a passion, right? There is something very powerful that usually underlies someone's passion. And that is their important core beliefs that lie under that, that drives their passion, okay? So for me, I was very clear about what that was. For me, it's about connection, developing deep connection. and if you can then take the causation of your passion, right, and realize where it's coming from, you can channel that same value, that same core value you have into another pursuit. So if you look at what my companies all did in the tech world, all of them, all of them were about creating connection for people, whether Mm -hmm. it's helping someone find a job, that's a pretty important thing to help someone with, don't you think? Or you know, in in the fintech area, it was connecting industry experts with financial experts. That's pretty important for those guys. Hmm. Um, So it doesn't have it doesn't have to have anything to do with what you're quote unquote passionate about. If you're still aligned with your core value, what drives you ultimately as a human being on this earth? Hmm. And because I was still waking up every day forging connection, it didn't have to be through music. It, It could be through anything. And so now, once I was able to then actually do create connection through music, okay, that's just a whole, you know, that was a whole other level. But I felt on point, on purpose, waking up every day and driven, not by the money. Yes, that was a nice side effect, but that wouldn't have sustained me over all those years. Sure. So it had to be something else. 
So I would, I would advise anyone to say, oh, yes, you can, you can find another area and you can really channel it in almost anything. You know, whether you, okay, you want to be a lawyer, well, find a way to do that that's consistent with your values, mm. right? There's different ways of being a lawyer. There's different ways of being uh, an investment banker. You don't have to pick something that, you know, seems on the surface to be clearly passionate, quote unquote, right? Mm. You can find passion in any pursuit. You want to be a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. You want to be a parent, whatever. You can find ways to express passion in any pursuit. It has to be aligned and you have to be aware of your core values. That's really where it's got to start, I think. Absolutely love that advice. That was so good. We'll definitely have to take that out and put it as a soundbite out there because it's a question that I, that I get a lot. <clears throat> okay, so moving into next part of your career. So exit number one, exit number two, what happens next? Then there's number three. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't end. So yeah, I, I mean, it just, you know, because what happens is you just get pulled in to projects, people approach you, right? And, sure. and there's just so many exciting opportunities. Um, finally, I realized even while running a couple of other companies that, you know, I had turned 40, Travis, and I was like, you know what? I really want to get back to my music because this was now just a few years after the death of my sister, which, you know, just leveled me, right? It yeah. was a, a life-defining moment. She was 23. We were actually together at the time, traveling over in South Africa. Oh. There was a horrific accident. She was killed instantly. I was with her. It was something that, you know, no one should ever go through. Mm. So I not only had to get through the grief of, you know, the death of my sister, but also the trauma of what I saw, what I experienced, what I had to deal with, you know, from the scene. Sure. Uh, so I turned to music, you know, I turned to music as a way to heal through it. And um, it worked. It was something that, you know, when you go through something so extreme like that, you've got to get that pain out of you. Hmm. Now you can talk to therapists, which I did. I went to a great grief therapist in New York. You can talk to friends, um, which I did. I had great friends and family to support. But ultimately, you got to get that pain out of you some way. And music, which is the language of feeling, the language of emotion, to me was, was the greatest gift to get that pain out of me because the pain had no words to it. Even if I sat with you, Travis, to express to you the level of pain I had, I would fall short of words because there yeah. were no words for it. Right. So the music filled that, that expression. Um, and I would just sit at the piano every day and play that pain out of me. And over time, slowly but surely, I emerged, not someone having survived it, but I really opened up, it cracked my heart wide open, um, my sense of empathy, my, uh, you know, just all this um, on the inside came forth. And I said, I need to share this with people. Yeah. And that's when I said, you know what, I, I, all this tech stuff is great, but that's not my legacy. That's not what I'm here for. That's not ultimately what I'm here for. That's not what I would like written on my tombstone one day. So, yeah. I felt like, okay, I know it's music. What is that going to look like? Now, over the years, since 16 years old, I was also in parallel passionate about Eastern philosophy, meditation. And I, you know, went to Zen monasteries, read everything I can get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And those two came together, Eastern philosophy and Western classical music mm -hmm. combined to create what is mind travel today. It never had a name. It never had, it was just what I did. Yeah, and right. when I finally decided to put it out to the public, I said, okay, I need to come up with a name for this experience because I want to take people on a journey. And that's where the name Mind Travel came from, sitting, literally sitting at my dining room table, brainstorming it with a friend of mine. 
<laughs> Amazing. So tell me about what mind travel actually does. Like what, what do you guys do for people and who is like your ideal customer slash client? So yeah, when, when I'm asked about mind travel, you know, I say mind travel, you know, our mission is to move people to purpose through music, right? Music's almost the afterthought. It's really the intention of it is about moving people to purpose, bringing healing and connecting people back to that word connection, connecting people to their truest, deepest self and connecting with others in community, really balancing that individual, the, the, the incredible special and uniqueness of every individual and the power of the community. So that's what I do through music. Now, how does that, what does that look like in the world? Well, we do, of course, you know, big theater concerts where there's visuals and I play the piano um, and I take people on an extemporaneous journey. That's an improvised hour plus long musical journey that uh, just takes people through the arc of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And um, then, then I wanted to connect people with nature. So I said, how do I get the audience out to nature? And I can't get my Steinway piano on the sand. So I actually did it through wireless headphones and an electric piano. Hmm. So you have hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, we do it in Central Park in New York, Santa Monica Beach, where you have hundreds of people wearing wireless headphones, kind of like a silent disco style. Mm-hmm. But use, but I'm playing, instead of DJs, I'm playing live piano. And people are then have the freedom to walk around the beach, to lie down, to move. To, some people are standing in the ocean up to their knees or waist with the headphones on, taking mm-hmm. in the music and everything around them, connecting so deeply with nature. So that's the, that's the real idea is this immersion. Uh, we then said, you know what, let's take people out in the mountains, hiking and walking. And so that began the silent walk and the silent hike experiences where we have hundreds of people together moving through a park, moving through a mountain trail and listening to music in complete silence. They're not speaking to each other. It's an intentional uh, experience. And people are just so opened and moved and I guide those experiences and um, that's what we're up to. We have one that's underwater. I put the whole audience in a massive Olympic swimming pool for the largest live concert underwater. Wow. where the piano was pumped into underwater speakers, 200 people floating in an Olympic pool. That's amazing. <laughs> it was wild. That's uh, and so again, cool. complete silence of the audience. Everyone's just listening and taking it in and the music's going through them in the water, literally the vibrations of the music going through them. So that's the kind of stuff we're up to. It was really about creating more wonder, more awe um, and surprise in people's lives so they can kind of get woken up from you know their their everyday programming, um, the, the routine they're in, and shake them, wake them up, and say there's a bigger life out there for you. Yeah. And the world needs it, and the world needs you. That's where freedom lies. That's amazing, man. I've, 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 we could just keep talking about this for a really long time, but unfortunately, I got to cut this uh, short yeah. or else we would just be here forever. So um, I, I want to ask you, uh, first off, where can we go to learn more about that? And then I'll ask you the one question that I ask everybody on the show to close things out. So yeah, everything's on mindtravel.com. We've got tons of music there, music for sleep, music for meditation, music for working, um, and just music to just, you know, open up your imagination. So I invite everyone to just uh, try the music out and uh, just see where it takes them. 
mindtravel.com. Highly, highly, highly recommend going and checking some of those things out. I know I will be doing that. Um, and then I would love to come out to one of these experiences sometime too, man. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So question I ask everybody on the show, this is build your network. Um, I, I like to really talk about relationships a lot. Um, I know that you and I weren't able to get into a lot of those things, but it was always sprinkled throughout the conversation, which clearly has been uh, something that it's been a big value and a part of your life is connection and relationships and people. Um, so I'm curious to know your answer to this. Do you believe Murray that who you know, or what you know is more important and why? Um, my whole life has been about the people in my life from, you know, my parents to, you know, my brother, uh, to my professor, uh, one or two in particular, they've defined kind of my pivotal branches in the journey of my life. And so, uh, you know, everything is personal, everything is personal and about people. Ultimately, it's all about relationship. Everything exists in relationship. So that's really always been, and I think always will be first and foremost. And music to me is just the deepest way I can connect with myself and with another human being. And that's why I do it. Amazing. Murray, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. This was an awesome conversation. I know the audience took away just as much as I did. So if you guys want to go learn more about Murray, connect with him, be a part of Mind Travel, head over to mindtravel.com. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm sure we will chat soon and uh, we will meet up in person someday soon, no doubt. Likewise, Travis. Thanks. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.